Our uh, New Testament text comes from the Gospel of Luke. As we've been with us, we've been kind of journeying through Luke, Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Well, he finally arrived. Uh, it took some time, but he's there. And so we look at Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his Holy Spirit to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you inspired Luke to go and get an orderly account to interview eyewitnesses so he might write and tell us exactly what happened, that you inspired his pen, that as he wrote it down, now we have your holy inspired word that can guide us and lead us in all truth. So God, I pray that as we read this familiar story, that you might speak afresh and anew to us, that we might hear from you, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name, we pray and all God's people said, amen. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28, listen to God's word. And when he, he, Jesus, had said these things, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were went, sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to them, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's look again at verse 39 and 40. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. You know, we've all heard that adage, dumber than a rock. The Pharisees seem here to be dumber than rocks, right? I mean, the rocks seem to understand who Jesus is, and the Pharisees just don't get it. I mean, the disciples are so excited to have King Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem. And people, if you read Matthew's gospel, they're laying down palm branches and everyone's so excited. And yet the, the Pharisees are resistant to participate. In fact, they're, they're telling Jesus he should be rebuking their disciples for, for saying that he's the king, right, and, and celebrating. You shouldn't do that kind of thing. Why are the Pharisees so reluctant to celebrate Jesus' entry into Jerusalem? I mean, doesn't everyone want to be a part of that Passover processional? Everyone loves a parade, right? Reminds me of a story of young little Timmy. Timmy was uh, five. He finally made it to kindergarten. Previously, uh, during worship, he was always in preschool at the nursery. 
but now he was five, and he'd been told that on Palm Sunday he was going to get to be a part of a parade and walk down the center aisles, a part of a processional, and he couldn't wait to do it. But unfortunately, young Timmy, he got sick on Palm Sunday, so he had to stay home with his, with his mom. Well, when his dad and older sisters came home carrying palm branches, Timmy was confused because he didn't really know what palm, palm Sunday was about, and he said, why are you carrying palm branches? And the dad explained, well, you see, we wave them to celebrate Jesus' coming. And Timmy goes, I can't believe it. I miss one Sunday and Jesus shows up. <laughs> Everyone loves a parade. But the Pharisees don't want the disciples saying, King Jesus. Why? Some scholars point out that perhaps the Pharisees are, are anxious because they're calling Jesus the king. And they're anxious that as they prepare to begin this Passover celebration, that maybe the Roman soldiers or some of the Roman authorities will hear Jesus' disciples calling him a king, and they may think, oh my goodness, are they trying to make this Jew, Jesus, a king and not recognize the authority of Caesar? And if that's the case, then the Roman soldiers and the Roman authorities may try to shut down the Passover celebration. Maybe they're afraid. But what kind of king comes into a city riding on a donkey? I mean, when Alexander the Great came into Jerusalem centuries before, he came riding a white stallion, a war horse, to let everyone know that he was a man of great power and great authority. But Jesus, in our text, as a fulfillment of Zechariah 9, which Jill just read a moment ago, comes riding in on a donkey, a sign that he is humble and a man of peace. Why are the Pharisees so reluctant to receive this humble Prince of Peace? Well, most scholars point out that if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that, well, that while Jesus has been preaching some amazing sermons and doing some remarkable miracles, he's been growing in, in popularity. And throughout his preaching, he's often, he's often challenging the Pharisees. The Pharisees who say one thing with their lips, but they do something very different with their lifestyles. And so the Pharisees don't really like Jesus because, well, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day. And here's this Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who's, who's preaching and doing miracles, and he's growing in popularity. And, well, the Pharisees aren't quite ready to give control to Jesus, are they? You know, how often can we be like the Pharisees? We recognize that Jesus has done some remarkable thing, and, and we could say here on Sunday that he's our king, but, but are we really willing to give him total control of our lives? Absolute control, that whatever Jesus says to do, we're, by goodness, we're going to try and do it as well. For instance, Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that we're called to, to pray for enemies, to turn the other cheek, to offer forgiveness to others even if they don't ask for forgiveness. Are we willing to do what Jesus says all the time? Or would we rather hold on to a grudge and remain angry at someone? If we say that Jesus is king, then we should be willing to but to do what he says, right? To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and, and to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and submit to, to his authority no matter the situation. Like loving our neighbor as ourselves, going the extra mile, even if it costs us something to love someone, we're called to love them unconditionally and sacrificially, just no matter how they treat us. Are we really willing to do what King Jesus says? Are we really allowing him to, to be in the driver's seat of our lives? Reminds me of that old song, it's become old, but it was new back a few years ago by Carrie Underwood called Jesus Take the Wheel. You remember that? 
And she's talking about how her life is spinning out of control. And now as she's driving on some ice, she hits some black ice, and her car is literally spinning out of control. And so she cries out, Jesus, take the wheel. But shouldn't Jesus always be in the driver's seat? But how many of us can easily just treat Jesus like a spare tire that we call out when we're in trouble, but day in and day out, we're not always willing to submit to what he has to say, to do what he calls us to do. It's the Pharisees aren't quite ready to give control to Jesus. But as we look at our text this morning, it's very clear that even if the Pharisees aren't willing to give control to Jesus, Jesus is very much in control of what's happening. Notice what happens here in the text. It says that Jesus, before they're even in the village, he says, hey, go to this town, go to this house, and you're going to find a colt tied up. Untie that colt. And, and when they ask you why you're doing it, just tell them the Lord needs it, right? And that's pretty remarkable. I, I remember reading that the first time and thinking to myself, it's kind of like in Star Wars New Hope, the original one, the 70s, that was really good, um, with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker, and they're, they're in this little land cruiser in Tatooine. They've got C-3PO and R2-D2 right behind, right behind them, and the stormtroopers are looking for R2-D2 and C-3PO, right? And they, they start to begin to ask Obi-Wan Kenobi about these droids, and they go, hey, who are these droids? And, and Obi-Wan Kenobi uses the force, and he says, these aren't the droids you're looking for. And so then the stormtrooper says, these aren't the droids we're looking for. It's kind of like that, right? I mean, here they show up, these disciples that nobody knows, and they just start to untie somebody's donkey, right? And donkeys are kind of valuable. I mean, they're beasts of burden, right, that would carry, you know, merchandise, and they're, they're valuable. They're, they're worth something. And the owner says, hey, what are you doing? Look again at the text. It says, in our text, it says, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. They just let him go. I mean, i got to be honest with you. If I was the owner of the donkey and a disciple had said, the Lord has need of it, I said, well, the Lord may need it, but he needs to pay for it, right? Because donkeys are expensive, right? And notice this donkey has never been ridden. Have you ever tried to ride a donkey or a horse who's never been ridden? That doesn't go well. You have to break the horse or break the donkey or train them so they're willing to carry a person. But Jesus, King Jesus, is in complete control. He knows where the donkey can be found. He knows what to say in order to get the donkey. And by his divine power, because he's fully God and fully man, the son of God, the great I am, he's able to get on this donkey that's never ridden, and there is no incident. The donkey takes him through to the city of Jerusalem. You know, this text reminds us, and as we make our journey through Holy Week, It'll be clear to us that everything that's happening is a part of God's divine plan. The fact that Jesus rides a donkey into the city is a fulfillment of, of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. As we continue our journey uh, through uh, the Holy Week, we'll see that when we get to, to Good Friday on the day that Jesus is crucified, we'll be reminded that in Isaiah 53, we're told that the Messiah will be pierced for our transgressions, that he'll be crushed for our iniquities, a fulfillment of Isaiah 53, written 700 years before the, the death or the life of Jesus. And everything that's happening is, is all a part of God's divine plan. Yes, yes, Jesus, our King, is very much in control. Amen? And I don't know about you, that's really good for me to know, that Jesus is in control. These last couple years, there's been a lot of anxiety with the global pandemic, right? There's a lot of worry and, 
and then there was a recession, and that was anxious-filled. But it's good to know that even, there's a, even though there's a pandemic, even though there's a recession, that Jesus is still on the throne, that he's still in control. As we had our country divided by racial riots and then a very divided election, it was so good to know that Jesus is still on the throne. He's still in control. As we've heard rumors of war and seen pictures of war and heard that war may even expand to the the world, it's very good to know that Jesus is in control, that he's still on the throne. Yes, Jesus is clearly in control of this parade. As we'll see by Friday, it proves to be a death march for Jesus. But it's all a part of God's great plan. For Jesus has come into the city of Jerusalem to bring something, to bring salvation to you and me today. Look again at what Zechariah 9, 9 says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Jesus has come to this earth. He's come to Jerusalem to bring salvation to you and to me. For Jesus, who is God's one and only son, who is without sin, has done for us what we can never do for ourselves. He lived in perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father. And then he died on a cross as the perfect atoning sacrifice for all of our sins together. So as Jesus says with his final words in the Gospel of John, with his final breath on the cross, it is finished. Our sins have been atoned for once and for all. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering both sin and death on our behalf so that we might know with full assurance that in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. That in Jesus Christ, we have the assurance of eternal life. That in Jesus Christ, nothing can separate us from his great love. Amen? Look around this room. I know it's pretty full, but there's still some empty seats. Who's not here who should be here? Whom do you know in your classes, or your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, among your friends, who aren't here this morning, who need to be here, who need to, to be invited to the celebration because everyone loves a parade. And Jesus has come to bring salvation to you and to me and to anyone who will turn to him in faith. You may notice that at the very back table, and please, please, please be sure and pick one of these up as you leave. It's the book, The Case for Easter by Lee Strobel. It's pretty short. You can read it in about an hour or longer, but that's fine. But uh, it's a great book. And actually, if you open it up at the front, first page, to, it says, put your name there, to, from, whoever you want to give it to, right? And you can say, hey, I want you to have this, encourage you in your faith, or, or hey, if you have any questions about Jesus and the resurrection, here's a, a, a evidence uh, as you look at the historical evidence, as we look at, you know, did Jesus die or did he resuscitate? He was absolutely dead. As we look at the life of the disciples and all that he did and all that they did and how they proclaimed the, the resurrection of Christ and they were willing to die for that proclamation, it helps make and lay out the case, the clear case for the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Please, please pick up one of these. But inside you'll notice that there's a little invite card that kind of gives you our Holy Week schedule. It talks about Palm Sunday, which we've just had. And then it talks about Monday, Thursday, and, and Thursday night, Orlando's going to be preaching upstairs, and we're going to have folks from uh, the four Amarillo churches, you know, Polk Street and, and uh, Central Church of Christ, First Baptist, and we're going to have the pastors from Polk Street and Central that help and lead us in worship along with Orlando. It's going to be a great time of celebration as we come to the table. And we're reminded that on Monday, Thursday, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Physical reminders with bread and juice, physical reminders that his body was given for us, that his blood was shed for us. We're going to share that feast together as one body in Christ's name. You'll want to invite your friends to come to that. 
And then on Good Friday, we're going to have this service. It's called the Tenebrae Service, a service of diminishing lights where the choir will lead us and Kim Talia will be preaching. It'll be a powerful experience as we recognize that when Jesus died on the cross, darkness came over the land as he paid the price for the sins of the world. And then on Easter Sunday, you know, we're going to have this service. We're going to have an 830 service and a 1055. And if you look at the back of this card, you're going to see that it talks about this journey to the cross. We're during the Sunday school hour. We're inviting families to come and join us in the great hall and in the, the parlor and all over. We're going to have opportunities for kids to experience the stages of the cross, to see all that Jesus did for us because of his great love for us. Who are you going to invite to join us this Holy Week? Now, if a name doesn't come to you, come to mind for you right away, I would encourage you to pray. Pray that God would lay someone on your heart that you might invite to join us this Holy Week. Now, there are good ways to invite people, and there are bad ways to invite people. And I thought I would show you a video about bad ways to invite people, how not to invite someone. Hey, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. And today we want to show you how to invite someone to church. Okay, here we are at Mission Control. We have our equipment, we have cameras over there and over there, and these are gonna be real people Chachi's talking to, right? Yeah, real neighbors that I'm gonna invite to church. All right, here we go. Okay, here comes an older gentleman, do you see him? Yeah. Okay, who's that? That's Kenneth, he's a real hoot. Okay, this is a great opportunity for you to highlight how your church is primarily under 40 and how you lack the experience and wisdom that can come from someone older and wiser. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let me do a sound check. Great. Okay, go, go, go. Showtime. Oh, hey, Kenneth. Can I ask you a question? It's Carl. Yeah, that, that's what I thought it was. I was going to ask you to come to church with me sometime because there's no one like you at my church. I mean, not even remotely. It was fine. It was more your delivery. It sounded, you said it in a negative way. Yeah, I messed that one up. Sorry, Johnny. No, it's okay. Let's just try again. Okay, there's another guy. Who's that? Yeah, that's Samuel. He's a businessman in the neighborhood, and he's working way too many hours. Okay, well, that's an opportunity to meet Samuel where he's at, okay? Chachi, when you speak to him, make sure he knows that church is like an oasis compared to the daily grind of the office. Okay, it's nothing like work. Nothing like work. You got it? Yeah, I got it. I okay. got it. I'm ready. Sound check. Yeah, I'm Sound out of here. Good. Go, go, go. Oh, hey, Samuel. Beautiful day. Hey, man. I was wondering if sometime you wanted to visit my church with me. What time do you owe me? It's not your business. It sounded like you said it's none of your business. Well, I meant to say it's not like your business. It it didn't sound like that. Felt like you got it. I didn't think this was difficult. Give me one more chance. Let's do one more. Okay. Hey, Johnny, Johnny. That's Mm -hmm. my next-door neighbor, Cam, and her three kids. They love me. This will be a great one. Okay. Well, your church does have a great kids program. Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's do this. Okay. Tell them that basically they're going to learn godly principles and that they'll get lost in all the fun. Okay, kids, lost, fun. Got it. Okay, all right. You want to check my mic one more time? It's great. Ow. Okay, be right back. Hey, look, it's Chachi. Hi, Hi Chachi. How y'all doing? Good to see you. Good to see you, Hi, too. Cam. Man, he is getting really, really big. 
I thought I'd come by and invite you guys to church sometime. Would you kids like that? Yeah. Church? Yeah. You, you should come to church with me sometime if you ever want to see your kids again. I mean, it's because you get lost in all the fun. Good, good talk. Talk to you later. Yeah, so no matter what you do, you can't do worse than Chachi, right? Gosh, pray for Chachi. That was horrible. No, it, it should feel natural when you invite someone to church, right? Like just a quick example. We have a video that uh, Kara was helping us put together, Steve Pear and his company. And so I didn't know the videographer, and he was actually filming. It's on our Facebook page. If you're on Facebook, hey, could, sh could you share that video? It just talks about our Holy Week uh, plans. And I'm sharing this video, making this video, talking about it. I don't know the videographer. I don't know where he goes to church. So I just, after sharing the video, I said, hey, do you have a church home? And turns out he did, but I invited him to join us if, if he hadn't plans, you know, just that kind of thing. Or I was recently playing in a, in a golf tournament, and, and I'm a horrible golfer. I'm a D player, which means dog awful, right? That's what D stands for. There's A, B, C, and D. I'm the D player. I'm horrible, right? But I'm hitting some putts. It's like, you know, I play a lot of mini golf, so I can hit putts. And so I'm hitting putts, and my guys are being, my teammates are, who I didn't know. It was kind of a random scramble. And they're being really nice. And they said, man, you're hitting some clutch putts. And I'm like, well... I'm the D player. There's no pressure here, right? <laughs> you guys are the ones who have to make the good shots. I don't have to. It's easy, easy stuff. And as we started talking, we started talking about what everybody did and got to know one another, and they learned I was a pastor. And I just asked each one of them, I said, hey, do you have a church home? And, and three, or two of the three did, but one did not. And I said, hey, would you like to come join us? Easter's coming up, man, love to have you. And kind of gave them the schedule. I wish I'd had one of these invite cards. I would have given it to them. One thing I like to do uh, when I go to a restaurant, if I go out to eat, you know, I try to, to get to know the waiter or the waitress's name. And I called him by name throughout the meal. Uh, remember that was, he, he called the guy uh, Kenneth, although his name was Carl. That's kind of embarrassing, right? So I knew, I know her name and, or his name. And then I, I, uh, be sh I'm sure to tip well at the end of the meal. And then I invite them to, to church. We've got these little invite cards you can pick up in the great hall. But just whatever we can do to invite people, to encourage people. Because as we read our text, we can see that the disciples are so excited about Jesus' coming. And if you're excited, people are going to feel that excitement. Notice in our text as they're, as they're singing actually what they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This is a quote from Psalm 118. They're singing a psalm of Hillel, which would have been a, a pilgrimage song, a song of ascent that, that, that pilgrims would have sung as they entered into the city of Jerusalem. They're singing and they're so excited because of all that they've seen Jesus already do. Jesus has turned water into wine at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. He's given sight to a blind man. He's allowed a lame man to walk. He's, he's cast out demons. He's, he's cleansed lepers. He's even brought the dead back to life. It's just incredible all that Jesus is doing. And so they're so excited and said, oh, come, everyone celebrate. Here is King Jesus who's very much in control, even though life can sometimes feel like it's spinning out of control. This last Wednesday, uh, I wrote 13 handwritten cards to uh, people in our church who have lost loved ones in the last few weeks. 13 different families have lost loved ones in our church the last few weeks. And as I wrote these notes of condolences to try to encourage them, I, I reminded them of the, the truth of Holy Week, that even though their loved one is no longer here, that they've gone on, where they've gone is they've gone on to glory, to paradise, where Jesus is. That, that because Jesus lives, we know that their dead one and the Lord lives as well today. For as we continue our journey through this Holy Week, we're going to be reminded of the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. That as Tony Campolo, that great Baptist preacher, used to remind us that, that while here on this life, in this earth, life may not always be going like we want it to, it's only Friday, 
Sunday is coming. You remember the story. Jesus is praying. The disciples are sleeping. Judas is betraying. The soldiers are arresting. But it's only Friday. Sunday is coming. You remember the story? Peter is denying. The cock is crowing. The Sanhedrin are accusing. The soldiers are mocking. But it's only Friday. Sunday is coming. You remember how it goes? The crowd is yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate is condemning. The soldiers are flogging. Jesus is bleeding. But it's only Friday. Sunday is coming. You remember how it goes. The soldiers are nailing. Jesus is dying. Mary is weeping. The sky is darkening. Evil seems to be winning. But it's only Friday. What day is coming? Sunday is coming. Yes, on Easter Sunday, on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus proved to be who he said he was when he conquered both sin and death on our behalf, when he rose again, and he helps us know that no matter what happens to us in this life, he's with us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, not even death itself, that we have eternal life as we will turn to him in faith. Who do you know who needs to be reminded of that reality? Then invite them to join us this holy week so that with one voice we might all declare the good news that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the good news of the gospel, that Jesus is king. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. And he's conquered the powers of sin and death, proving to be who he said he was, the great I am, the son of God, the savior of the world. Yes, Jesus comes into Jerusalem bringing salvation. And we know that there are people who do not yet know you, who haven't opened their hearts to you, who haven't recognized that you are the King of Kings. So God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us this week to be bold in our invitation, inviting others to join us in the celebration so their their eyes might be open to see just how much you love us. For you have demonstrated your great love that while we were yet sinners, Lord Jesus, You died for us. You paid the price for all of our sins. And then you rose again so that we might have new life. We might have the gift of eternal life in you. Oh, Lord, guide us this week as we seek to invite others to join us in that celebration. Your son's precious name, who taught us all to pray, saying, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.